Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And a very pleasant welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest along with Mike Luby Lubitz. Happy to have you with us here on the Believe Podcast Network. And when you look at a uh, list of Distinguished journalists who have uh, been involved in, in the practice and the process of bringing you news and stories. Uh, you certainly won't find our names uh, listed. Uh, you won't see any Michael Lubitz and no Jeff DeForest, but you'll probably find this gentleman right yes. there at the top, one of our favorites of all time. Longtime writer for the New York Post, now uh, the man in charge of the New York Extra at the New York Extra.com. Brings you all the latest out of the Big Apple and around the world, uh, sports, news, everything. The great Len Robbins joins us here on the program. Uh, Len, how are you, my friend? Thanks for joining us here on the show. Are, are you guys still hungover from New Year's? <laughs> <laughs> that could be possible. Yeah, I mean, that's my resolution every year. It's time to start drinking heavily, and I've been following that. So far, here we are. We're only on the 12th, and I feel like Nick Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. Very nice. But you know what? If you get to hang out with Elizabeth Shue, it's well worth it. That's true. That's a win. <laughs> we did hang out with Elizabeth Shue one night, courtesy of uh, a dinner we were invited to at the Boca Resort with the lovely and talented Leslie Visser uh, was the hostess of this thing. And she invites a couple of slugs, uh, my buddy Jersey Kyle and me, and uh, accompanying uh, females. And uh, Jersey was fighting unattached at the time. And while wearing a sleeveless cutoff shirt at the dinner table at the Boca Resort, which uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you talk about hoity-toity. I mean, that is this place, uh, the definition of it. And uh, he's hitting on Elizabeth Shue at the dinner table, thinking that he had a shot. And he was about as drunk as Nick Cage was in that movie <laughs> at the time. So the truth of the matter is you were waiting tables. <laughs> I've done that, too. Sea Wayne Country Club. You're familiar with that joint in Hewlett Harbor? A lot of ritzy people no, uh, I, were, were uh, in attendance there at some of those French service uh, meals that I screwed up. I, I worked at the exclusive Seaview Pool and Yacht Club located in Upper Canossie. Um, it was really nice. kind of funny because it was called the Seaview Pool and Yacht Club. Um, there wasn't a boat for miles. <laughs> and they didn't have a pool. What a pool. Had a pool. You did have a pool. Oh, that's good. I remember a long time ago, almost uh, as if it was a scene out of The Graduate there, I had my Dustin Hoffman moment. As I'm waiting tables and, uh, you know, the uh, rich people there w would imply that they had some feigned uh, interest in your life and what you were all about once in a while. And a guy asked me what I wanted to do. And I, I said, uh, you know, I, I probably like to go into sports broadcasting. And he told me, and this had to be circa 1972. He told me, um, make sure you know soccer. That's going to be the coming sport. And it was almost as if he had said plastics, you know, to Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have been any more on it. You're still, uh, still waiting on that, though, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I know nothing about soccer. I mean, to me, it's a dumb game that was invented by Cro-Magnon Man because uh, it was a society that didn't have hands or arms. And they had to find something to play, so they started kicking skulls around and saying, nope, you can't touch it. And, uh, you know, that, that was it, the origins of the game. All right, uh, speaking of Meshuggah, I mean, uh, are you busy enough there in New York City? So many crazy things happening. In the Big Apple, including yesterday's firing of Joe Judge, which came after he got the Carol Chessman call from the governor at the last second. They pulled him out of the gas chamber, gave him one more day to explain himself. And the next thing you know, he's back on thin ice. You know, the, 
do you believe that the Giants would ever be in this position? It's you know, okay. I, I wrote this today. I mean, you know, the Giants were one of those franchises in the NFL that other franchises looked at and, and like, aspired to be, right? It didn't matter if they were playing in the polo grounds. I think they're the only team ever to play in both Shea Stadium and Yankee Stadium, right? Um, but, you know, they, they went about it usually the right way. Um, and they are the worst team in football over the last five years. I mean, they're worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars. How does that happen? Seems impossible, but, I mean, uh, two words come to mind immediately, and that would be Dave Gettleman, yeah. who's no longer part of the equation there. And uh, I guess they swept Judge out the door. Uh, were you anticipating that? Uh, many journalists and your contemporaries, especially uh, in the New York Post, uh, were all uh, – saying, hey, uh, th this guy's got to go. I, I I don't know. What did you think of Joe Judge as a head coach? Uh, the last last half a dozen performances were uh, beyond abysmal. Well, you know, let, let, let's just do Gettleman first, right? Um, you know, writers had set up a, uh, a GoFundMe page um, for themselves <laughs> in the hopes that they could buy out Gettleman. Um, <laughs> Sounds like something Luby would do. I was yeah. going to say, can, I can do that. I'll do that for Greer. <laughs> right. Um, and, and as for Judge, you know what? It's the last four weeks of the season, and it's interesting, we talk about like rookie walls and we talk about the length of the season and, you know, all this other stuff. The last four weeks, when I say he deteriorated, um, he really was like the dead man walking where he was trying every appeal possible, including what I think was like the 2000 word diatribe the other day after one of the games in which he tried to explain to us that the giants are a better practice team than they were when he first got there. You know, I yeah. mean, that's, that's like telling me that my kid after like, you know, three years in an elite preschool, is much better at building blocks than he was when he first got in. I mean, yeah, or toilet training, yeah. You're, you're hoping that he finally figured it out. What kid's not good at building blocks? Somebody builds them, somebody else comes along yeah. and kicks them over. Yeah, kicks them, yeah. By the way, the kid that kicks them over, future president. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing. Yeah. Well, then let me ask you, because it's – Funny, the Jets and the Giants usually go in different directions, but now it seems like they're on the same wavelength. Like, what would work in New York right now? Because Robert Sala was hailed, and people loved him. But right now, people aren't really his biggest fan. Joe Judge was sort of a disaster. He came in as a special teams guy. No one heard you of know, him. You know, actually, if you take a look at the Jets, yeah. um, look, I, I think I've said this before on this show. I am a big um, Joe Douglas fan. I really am. I think he's really done a very nice job to this point of trying to take, you know, something out of the ashes um, and and rebuild it from the beginning. You know, you, you look at the uh, the trade for Jamal Adams was great. Um, he fleeced the Giants on Leonard Williams. Um, I think he's done some really good things. The, the question, obviously, with him will be, you know, does Zach Wilson turn out to be uh, the most popular football player with a hot mom or can he really be a quarterback in the NFL? That That's what Joe Douglas's legacy is going to be about. And, and if you really think about the Jets, you know, no, there weren't a whole heck of a lot of wins down the stretch, but that team played much better in the second half of the season than it did in the, in the first half. You know, they've got those two draft picks early on. I, I really think if Zach Wilson turns out to be the guy, 
The Jets are closer than people think. The, the question is closer to what? Yeah, exactly. Len Robbins with us here. The New York Extra is where you'll find his work. Uh, does an outstanding job there. And, uh, you know, longtime legacy as a New York sports writer. Uh, I found him in the New York Post. Uh, and uh, this is right up your alley because uh, I remember your brilliant writing on college basketball and college football. Uh, so um, what did you make? I mean, we had a theory here, as you might imagine it, related to uh, pure uh, and uh, utter degeneracy, which was don't bet against the devil. And, and we kept using examples of various TV evangelists who were betting against the devil, and they ended up either doing time or in disgrace, uh, talking about Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart. You can't bet against the devil. And, and Nick Saban being the devil, it, it seemed odd that the line came out after uh, we saw Alabama thrash Georgia in the uh, SEC championship game that uh, somehow Alabama w- was an underdog in this game. And we know how uh, Nick Saban does. He crushes uh, his former assistants, except this year, the first time, I guess Jimbo beat him, and, and now Kirby Smart. But uh, he also never loses to the spread. Uh, he did one time, I guess, as an a underdog in Alabama and won the other five games outright, usually by handsome margins. So what were your thoughts going into that game? And, and, and what did you think coming out? You know, pr- probably what you guys were thinking, I, I thought that Georgia was a little bit, better of a team um and and, you know the whole thing about when you get dusted the way alabama dusted georgia you know in the sec title game you know it's so much easier to build the fire you know when you've been smoked the way that georgia had been you know it's really hard to to beat anybody twice especially when you've got you know the two semi-professional teams in college football um you know, I thought that it was a really difficult position for Alabama when, you know, they lost Jameson Williams, who I think was the best receiver in college football. When he went down, you know, now they started to resemble Rutgers a little bit more than Alabama. Wow. Um, and, 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 you know, look, sometimes the eclipse comes around, right? Sometimes Haley's Comet comes around, right? So it took Georgia 41 years. Congratulations. Maybe it'll take them another 31 years. Think about this. There were two starting quarterbacks in the NFL who I believe came out in the same draft class who went to Alabama. Who else does that? Nobody does that. Yeah. There's still Alabama and everybody else hoping that once in a while the, the comet comes by to them. All right. My favorite aspect. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, we love uh, when, when, uh, the uh, you know so-called sanctimonious image of college football is brought to the pulpit, and uh, coaches start professing how much they're behind the idea that the game should be about the kids and everybody. And you had in the build-up to the championship game, uh, both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart professing uh, their distress and dismay over this uh, name, image, and likeness thing being so unfair that it's uh, only going to help the haves and uh, not the have-nots. That the separation is going to get even greater. And this was probably while uh, Saban had some uh, guy that owned a diner in Tuscaloosa on the phone saying, hey, hey listen, Mo, you got <laughs> you got to come up with a million for this kid or we're not going to get him. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, uh, do you really believe the sincerity of uh, both Smart and Saban in uh, professing and proliferating the idea that they're not in favor uh, of an even greater divide among college football powers versus uh, the rest of the uh, people, uh, you know, the schools that end up being also rounds every year? You know, it's interesting to bring that up because, you know, I, I teach at a couple of um, very, 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 very low-level colleges in the metropolitan area. And we actually studied name, image, and likeness this year. Um, 
first of all, I thought when I think the Bowers kid, the, the freshman at Georgia scored his touchdown. Did I get that right? Right at the very end, he kind of, he, yeah. he was the nail in the coffin, if you will. And then he went over the sidelines. It's not often that you see like somebody besides a quarterback pick up a phone and talk to the guys up in the booth. Right. And I thought to myself, oh, no, no, no. He's on the phone with like Decatur Dodge right now. You know, ordering <laughs> DraftKings. <Yeah. laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's ordering his four by four. You know, look, if, if you really want to, like, you know, take a look at what the problem is with name image likeness, it just creates all this disparity that already exists in a way about, you know, who are getting the deals, right? You know, the, the, there are a couple of women basketball players, twins out of Fresno State, um, the Cavender twins, who are making oodles of money. He goes, okay, they're pretty good basketball players, but they're very good-looking white women, right? Yeah. There are... Yes twin volleyball players uh, Woodward at Howard University who are very good looking and extremely accomplished volleyball players who have no name image likeness deals. Mm. So I I think if we're really going to look at it, then we need to look at, you know, why are the men who are getting deals getting it more based on their performance? The women who are getting it are based more on their looks and their social media followers. You know, this is one of those things where it's the right thing to do. I mean, God knows you can't allow kids to like, you know, be walking into the bookstore and seeing their Jersey sold for one Oh nine ninety nine, And then they don't have enough money to take their girlfriend out for pizza. That's got to change obviously. But it's one of those things where it happens so quickly. People just weren't prepared for it. There's a lot of catching up to do here. The great Len Robbins of the New York Extra with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Michael Luby, Lubitz with you on the Believe Podcast Network. Well, speaking of equality, and uh, we always get a kick out of this, and, and we've talked to uh, Jim Rooney about this. He had a book out recently, and he was doing uh, some interviews, and they actually came on a show uh, a second time because he said he had such a good time on the program. And we thought, well, uh, you know, that's quite a distinction for us. But, uh, you know, it, he was exasperated and, and was talking about how they were going to make modifications to the Rooney rule when Brian Flores was somewhat uh, blindsidedly let go, uh, at least in terms of uh, media's uh, speculation about it and, and fan, uh, you know, a fan feeling about uh, this particular coach. Um, we were, uh, you know, completely mystified and, and it dropped a number of uh, black coaches in the NFL down to two uh, out of 32 positions. Obviously, now you have seven available. And we kept thinking, uh, you know, the, the obligatory thing was uh, somebody would go and, and visit the grave of Gene Upshaw, and, and that would be enough to uh, put them inside the parameters of satisfying the Rooney rule. And then they would hire some stodgy old white guy who'd been out of coaching for 10 years, and they would say, well, this is the guy to take us in a new direction. Uh, uh, do you think there's any substance uh, to the Rooney rule at all? Do you think it's accomplished anything? And uh, what, Len Robbins, is your feeling about uh, what appears to be an obvious disparity uh, when it comes to executives and head coaches in a league that, that is, uh, you know, sending this message out there that they're all about equal rights and equality and, uh, you know, hug everybody and uh, love your brother and, and smile on your mother. Well, first of all, Brian Flores' firing was not only shocking, but um, I would like to send a thank you card to Mr. Ross because hopefully the Giants will sign him, you know, before we get off this call, right? Yeah. Brooklyn guy, right? Um, head coaching experience comes from the Parcells tree. Um, checks all the boxes. Um, I think he would be a great hire up here. Um, as for the Rooney rule, look, if they were really, really serious about it, first of all, I think you have to just look at the obvious, and that is you have 
a league with mostly, if not all, white owners um, who don't want to have men of color in, you know, elite positions. You know, they, you know, I'm sure some of them are jumping up the wall right now and screaming, how can you say that about me? You don't even know me. Well, the numbers speak for themselves, right? If the NFL was really, really serious about this, then instead of saying, okay, you get an third round draft pick, if you interview or, you know, they'd make it a first, right? They'd look at the 10 franchises that have never hired a black head coach and, they would make the penalty something that really, really hurt or the rewards that really, really hurt. And until they do that, nothing's really going to change. And, and it's a shade. But, and, you know, it's, it's a microcosm of the rest of society. The, 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 you know, the biggest problem for the NFL is it's there to see every weekend on the sidelines. Yep. Len Robbins with us here on After Hours with uh, Defoe and uh, Luby. And uh, happy to have you guys uh, with us here on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, all right, it has to be a lot of fun for you, and we're a little bit envious uh, covering uh, the hockey in New York because uh, you have uh, our favorite guy of all time, who we have asked you many times, and you've come up brilliantly with, with various uh, people to play the part of Barry uh, Trotz in, in the movie. And, uh, you know, the Islanders have had their struggles this year with COVID and uh, uh, being uh, out of their home arena for the first, like, third of the season. Uh, and, and you have uh, our man uh, Gerard Gallant there with the Rangers, who seems to be doing a very good job. And uh, he is one of those guys. Looks like he had a hockey puck for breakfast. You know, didn't even put it in a toaster oven. And, and we loved it. The story here was when they let him go, they just l- literally like kicked him off the bus. And you had uh, Yarmir Yager leaning out a bus window in Saskatchewan or some uh, you know ice cold tundra. And they were saying, "Hey, Jerry, you want your bag?" And, and they <laughs> literally just threw him out of here. And then he went on and had success uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know what happened there, but uh, they got rid of him, and they, they've still been successful. And he lands with the Rangers, who have tried many different things now uh, at the head coaching position. Uh, they've had guys uh, that uh, you thought were going to do well, and and unfortunately they haven't measured up to uh, what, what they were looking to accomplish. But uh, what's it like covering uh, Gerard Gallant? Because he, he seems like uh, the typical old-school, you know, hard-nosed hockey coach, and, and he seems to be getting some mileage out of this Ranger team. Well, you know, guys, I, I don't like to break news on this show often, right? I don't do it very often, but of I heard that he and Lane Kiffin are uh, working on a book together, um, Worst Places You've Been Fired and How Do I Get Home? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they left him out in a snowdrift. They, they literally did. That's uh, that's how the story goes. Yeah. Um, Kiffin, at least they left him by, like, you know, the uh, the private hangar, right? Exactly. Like Peterborough was Yeah. Um, you know, look, the, the Rangers were building, you know, a tremendous amount of talent. You know, they, they, they hired the guy out of college, you know, Quinn to be the coach. And, you know, I thought he did some nice things, but clearly they lack that bit of toughness that you have to have in hockey because it, it, look, is there any other league, any other league, even the like, um, national, like axe throwing championship in one of those like <laughs> Scandinavian countries, right? Where a guy yeah. gets hurt and they say he's going off for repairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lower body injury. Meanwhile, he's had his uh, you know legs amputated at the hip. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Right, like they're what, they're they're checking the carburetor. Uh, you know, they're doing a wheel alignment. Um, yeah, he has an upper body injury. His his head's decapitated, right? Yeah, um, and he's going <laughs> he's for been decapitated. <laughs> so. You know, they clearly needed a, a coach who had a little bit more of that grit. I, I love, I'm, I'm really in uh, a humble 
at your definition of him as being a guy who ate a uh, a frozen hockey puck. Is that it? <laughs> puck for first? breakfast, Pat. Yeah, he doesn't even unfreeze it. You know, it's yeah. uh, one of those bleed <laughs> things too, or whatever. Uh, what is it called? Uh, yeah. You know, where, where it's not real meat. Lego. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. uh, oh, well, wonder is that what it is? Impossible. Uh, impossible. Oh yeah, yeah, the impossible burger. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one thing about him, though, is they did put the Canadian maple syrup on that hockey puck. So, you know, they, <laughs> from birth, from birth, they instilled the hockey DNA in him. And, you know, yeah. look, they've got some toughness now. They've got a lot of skill. Uh, and it will it could be a fun ride here in New York. You know, having said that, when's the last time that, you know, the Rangers won us? 1994? Yep. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe, they need to, maybe they need to call Kirby Smart and say, like, you know, so – at what point do you say, let's stop referring to that year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we didn't know Vince Dooley was alive until we yeah, saw him <laughs> surface there at the game. That was great. I thought the real cool thing about that was they showed him on the jumbo trying and he looked up and he didn't recognize himself. Who <laughs> <laughs> that? Say what? Last couple of things here with Len Robbins. Uh, New York Extra. Follow him up on Twitter, at Len Robbins. After hours with DFN Luby here on the Believe Podcast Network. All right. Have to move on to the NBA. The Knicks are hovering around the playoff picture. The Nets are right there in the top three. And the Kyrie Irving stuff keeps simmering. What is it, the noise up there about Irving and the Brooklyn Nets? Is there still a lot of high hopes? By the way, I just want to go back to Georgia for one second. You know, they showed a bunch of guys in the stands um, like no shirts, wearing yeah. horns, and like, uh, and I thought to myself, aren't those the guys who were in the Capitol building a year ago? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Don't those yeah. guys look familiar? Uh, yeah. So basketball, you know, I, I, I was, I think the one person who was jumping up and down and screaming that the Knicks are going to be so much worse this year than they were last year. And people looked at me like I was crazy, which is not necessarily wrong, but I was right on this one. Um, they did not significantly improve their team. They overachieved last year. We talked about this last year. Tom Thibodeau might be a really good coach, but his style can really wear thin quickly. Right. Um, so I think there's almost a perfect storm now of they overachieved last year. If you look at that roster, Julius Randle's the number one guy. He's not a number one guy. He's not. When you look around the league and you think of who are the guys that you can't stop on the other team, right? Moran, LeBron, you know, KD. You can very easily stop Julius Randle. Man, who's the number two guy? I don't know. Is he behind door number one, door number two, or door number three? R.J. Barrett has some really good games. He has some games where, you know, he, he can't hit water from a boat, right? Um, I think what the Knicks should do, and of course they won't because they can't because they're here in New York and they feel they have to have a sellable product, they should move Obi Toppin and uh, keep quickly in the starting lineup and just see where those two guys go, see where they take you. And there's still enough time before the trade deadline to unload a Julius Randle or maybe, maybe even an R.J. Barrett and see if he can get a haul. Yeah, go ahead. He's going to just uh, get um, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, talk about Kyrie. The Irving. What's going on there? What, what he's is playing the uh, in the road games. I mean, he looks like he's playing well. Well, you know, in just a brilliant marketing um, strategy, New York City has now set up Kyrie Irving COVID testing booths outside of Barclays <laughs> Center. Um, yeah, the lines are long. They're out the door. Right. You can get a free COVID test, right? This is obviously only when the Nets are away. And while you're getting the COVID test, they have the road games on. 
food. <laughs> so you get to see my replay and you get your COVID test, which is almost as good as something that I just read the other day. True story. In Austria, there's a brothel, which is now offering free sex if you come in and get your COVID vaccination. <laughs> nice. That's I'm a reasonable consideration. <laughs> no, you, you, should, you, you can Google this. I didn't make this up. I'm just, again, breaking news, right? That's great. Um, yes. And I believe the, the owner of the brothel said, um, we, have, we have very happy clientele. quick uh, thought on the Mets hiring a Buck Showalter Mr. Old School who now says uh, you know what I don't mind looking at some numerology uh, which is scary to a lot of people because they uh, felt like uh, that's been a compromise for a lot of teams uh, managers that are are too uh, inclined to go by the book well I'm not concerned about his age as more as I'm concerned about if you look at his record right he's never won at all and he's really just like the couple of hundred games at that above 500. Um, I, I think the Mets kind of did what, um, you know, what the, what the Knicks did. They have an established guy, a guy who knows how to win, and he's probably going to have only a couple of year window before we see if, you know, the players start, you know, shrugging and rolling their eyes and, you know, what looked like a really good idea became a really bad idea. Yeah, it seemed like, uh, too, they, they almost uh, went to the grave of Casey Stengel and tried to dig him up uh, in their search uh, for both uh, general managers and, uh, and and for the uh, new manager of the team. Uh, Len, always a pleasure, man. What, what's coming up in the New York Extra? How can people find you? Because uh, I know you have a lot of fans here on the Believe Podcast Network uh, from your appearances on the show. Well, I, I'm going to completely jinx myself. But today I have my NFL picks column, which does start with the Giants and addressing the need to go higher. Brian Flores. But I'm like 10 games up on the season. Wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah, which is an all-time high for me. And I'm actually like, I think, like almost at 70% on my best bets. Wow. Which means by the time the playoffs are over, I'll be billing you guys for appearances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send us your bill for this appearance, so we'll be happy to ignore it like we do everything else uh, in that category. Uh, Len, always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for doing this. After Hours with Defoe and Luby, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, Believe Podcast Network. Uh, Len Robbins of the New York Extra, always a pleasure, my friend. Guys, my 2022 just became a lot better. Thanks for having me. We love you, Len. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Len Robbins, ladies and gentlemen, one of a kind. All right. That was a lot of fun. Uh, always great uh, perusing what's going on in the Big Apple with the uh, great Len Robbins. So we thank him for joining us here on After Hours with Tifo and Luby. Uh, tell your friends about it. Uh, we're enjoying sure. the uh, numerology as it continues to increase here on the Believe Podcast Network. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. And for the uh, people behind the scenes here at After Hours, which... Essentially, is Mike Luby Lubitz and Jeff DeForest. <laughs> we'll leave you with the simple message that if you're out there, no matter what you're doing, no matter how adverse the situation may appear, no matter how cold the weather, no matter how many points you're down in a given ball game, you got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapists, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this, if you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled caring people, there is truly only one place, 
And that one place is Catholic Health Services. Recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954-809-8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.